<laughs> okay, so uh, if I thought that preaching with um, last week, preaching with Ben was going to be difficult, <laughs> yeah, at least, you know, Ben stuck to the script. Yeah. Are you gonna stick? Are you gonna stick I'll to the try. script? He tells me, he goes, I got notes, but I don't need them. <laughs> oh my goodness! Hang on, everybody. Here we go. Uh, no, I, I am actually thrilled to be able to, for the second time uh, in as many weeks, to be able to be up here with a young person in our church. Um, I am committed to empowering the church body to do the work. And part of that is looking at our, our young people and saying, hey, um, they don't have as much gray hair as I do. They don't have as many wrinkles as I do. And I look at them and go, hey, this is incredible. This is the church of the future. And then God stops me. And it's like, uh-uh. They're not the church of the future. They are the church. Just like we are the church, right? That's what makes us the church, the young, the old, the no hair wrinkles, the lots of hair, no wrinkles. I love it. And, and so that's really what I desire to do as I do this, is inviting these young people up, is to recognize, for us to recognize that this is, they are part of the church. And wasn't it great this morning, the time of, of, of worship that we had in music? That was fantastic. So when I think about it, you know, when, when is God going to use people? When is he going to use it? Well, he, he will, he'll use them whenever he wants to, at whatever age he wants to. And we see that in the Bible, don't we? I mean, Mary and Joseph were giving, they were given the task of, of holding, of raising God at teenagers. You've got to be kidding me. So God has a, and more than not a sense of humor, he knows what he is doing. And that's what we have the privilege of being able to be engaged with. So yeah, in 1 Timothy, in chapter 5, in verse 22, we're told not to lay hands on people too quickly. And it is true. And we do see that at times, where, where we will rush somebody into leadership. But at the same time, Paul tells Timothy, don't let them look down on you because of your youth. There's got to be a balance in there, right? And I think this is part of the balance of what we're doing, is being able to come alongside and to partner. And so I, I, I asked Isaac, I said, hey, Isaac, you want to preach a message with me? And Isaac said, yes. Yes. I would love to. I'd love to. And then I said, Isaac, what should we preach on? And I said, Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. Because, <laughs> I don't know, this, this verse, this chapter has really been put on my heart this last year, being a youth and being a guy who is graduating high school. Because Jeremiah, when he was first called to go be a prophet to the nations and spread God's word, he was only 17 years old, which is like, wow, like I, that's younger than me. And so I thought, well, this being a youth Sunday, who better to preach on than Jeremiah? So Jeremiah, just so, you, so we understand, Jeremiah was, was a prophet who was called to uh, give prophecy, to speak over the kingdom of Judah. And it was over four decades, and problematic decades, really. And his, his ministry came to a conclusion at the siege of the capture of Jerusalem by the Babylonians in, in 586. So this young guy at 17 being called and then has four decades of ministry uh, through that time. And he is known as the 
weeping prophet. And if you read through Jeremiah, it's a lot of gloom and doom. It's not all that happy stuff. And, uh, and so sometimes the call that God has upon you isn't always the easiest or the funnest, but that was what Jeremiah was called to. So, uh, Isaac, um, let me get this going here. No, nope. oh, there we go. Good. No. That's there. so cool. Whew. Okay. I've always been on that side. Uh, yeah, you didn't know that. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Good. Isaac, why don't you read uh, Jeremiah to us, uh, 4 through 8? Yes, sweet. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up. Brad, you all have Bibles. No excuses. <laughs> all right, so if you're going to have people open your Bibles, just give them a little bit of time to get there. Okay. Because not everybody marked in their Bible where Jeremiah was. I'll give you like five seconds. <laughs> okay. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. All right. Okay, there. The uh, Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I am too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. And so the three points we're going to be drawing out of these this, like, few verses today are A, God knew you before he made you. B, God's calling, and C, go wherever, say whatever, and do not be afraid. So let's start off with that first point. God knew us before he made us. So I did some research into this word know, or to know something. And it turns out that this word know had a radically different meaning back in biblical times than it does right now. The word in Hebrew for know is called yada. Can we all say yada? Yeah, you could tell I, I, I used to doing this at a kid's camp. Um, <laughs> but this word yada had two meanings in the Hebrew. It had intellectual knowledge, which is like, I know one plus one. I know two plus two. I know that mountains are tall and oceans are deep. I know that fire is hot and water is wet. The last one's actually debatable. Is water wet or does it just make things wet? I don't know. Think about that. Uh, but there is that intellectual knowledge side of things. But on the other end of the spectrum, when it came to relationships, it meant a world of difference. See, in English, here I could say, I know Scott. I know what he looks like. I know his name. I've heard him talk before. I could say, I know Alicia. I've seen her. I, I know her name. I could also say, I know Oprah. I've seen her on TV. I know what she looks like. I've heard her talk. But this word yada, when it came to relationships and relationally, it wasn't just, I know their name. It was, I know their heart. Often in the Bible, when we see this word yada, it was often used to describe a relationship between a husband and a wife. They know each other intimately. They know every single little thing about each other. And it also, like in this verse, is used to describe the relationship that God has with us. God knows us. And he doesn't just know our name, but he knows our heart. 
He knows every little thing about us. When we stand up or sit down, God knows us intimately, not just our name. So if you're like new here to this whole God thing or to new life, God, if you ever wonder like, does he know my name? He does. And he doesn't just know your name, he knows your heart. Because sometimes I look out into the vastness of this universe and I'm like, oh, everything's so big. There's huge stars, huge planets, and those stars and planets make up like solar systems, and those solar systems make up galaxies, and I am so small. How could the God that made that know my name? Does he know my name? And what God is saying to Jeremiah is, I don't just know your name. I know your heart. Maybe I do need my notes. (laughs) Okay, so... In Luke chapter 12, verse 7, it says God knows the very number of hairs on our head. That is how well you are known by God. And what even furthers the amazing implications of this truth is that he uses not the word know in this verse. He uses the word knew, like past tense knowing. God doesn't just know us now but he knew us before we were born. See, the amazing thing about God is that he is God, the creator of everything we see, we know, and we love. He is outside of time. He is the beginning. He is the middle, and he is the end, meaning before you said your first word, God knew you. Before you took your first step, God knew you. Before you had your first breath, God knew you. Before you were in your mother's womb, God knew you. Even before the creation of the whole world, God had you on his mind. and God was thinking about you. So in, in Paul's letters to like the early churches, he would go on like this huge theological adventure a lot of the times. And he would kind of end it off with a therefore. Like, we know this. Therefore, what is the application to what we have just learned? So if we know that God doesn't just know our names, but he knows our hearts, he doesn't just know us now, but he knew us then, therefore, what should our response be to that truth? I think it's, it's pretty simple. Get to know him. He's, he's made you so that you can know him. And he's done something pretty drastic through the cross so that you can have the ability to have this relationship with him so that you can get to know him. And you may wonder, how do I get to know God? Brad, we all just got it. Boom, the Bible. (laughs) This book has radically changed my life. Within these pages, you can see the character of our God who has an endless, infinite love for humanity. Get to know him, because he knows you so well. That's our first point. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, with that, um, the next part that we read is what Jeremiah Jeremiah is being told by God. Okay, I don't need it. Good. Um, Because I have notes. (laughs) 
So Jeremiah has this call, and in it, it's very clear. God says to him, I've appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, grads, wouldn't it be nice that God had been, would speak to you that clearly, that he would say, I want you to be a, boom, there it is, right? I know many of you are heading off to university, and you probably have a great plan of what you're going to do. More than likely, you're going to switch that three or four times before you finally become an adult. That's the rest of us. And, um, and so how do you know your calling? You know, when you get to be in grade 10, 11, and 12, especially 11 and 12, adults, if they don't really know you, but they want to talk to you, they'll come up to you and they will ask you a question. What question would that be? Um, what do you want to do when you grow up? Right. What do you want to do when you grow up? And you try to give them an answer. But the truth is that they themselves really still don't, still don't know what they want to do when they grow up. They're still trying to figure that out. Astronaut. Okay. I mean, astronaut. But, but this is what I, I want us to consider this morning, this, this one thought in what I want to present to you. And that is, um, I believe that, that God is calling us all, and we all have a call, but in that, our calling starts by understanding our identity. Our calling starts by understanding our identity. And I want to explore that a little bit deeper. Augustine said this, how can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? How can you draw close to God when you're far from your own self? And then he goes on, and then he has this short little prayer. He says, grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. In Psalm 139, and I've used this before, but David, I believe at the end of his, what he's saying there is he is saying this, Lord, help me to know myself so that I can know you. Help me to know myself so that I can know you. As he said, Lord, search me and know me and reveal to me any wicked way. And yet in that, he says, I, I know when you rise. I know when you, when you lay down. Uh, as, as Isaac said, he knew you before you were born. He knows you this very minute, this very moment. He knows everything about you. This is not about self-awareness, like a self-help. This is different. This is, about, this is about sitting before God, worshiping him, and believing that God knows what is best for you, for he created you. He created you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to, ready? Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is talking to the church there, and it's a beautiful passage because it talks about who they were. And then it says, but God, who is rich in mercy, he's transformed, he has changed you. It's because of him. That it is not by your works, it's not by what you do, but it's what he has done in and through you. And then he comes to this part in verse 10. So Ephesians 2, verse 10. He says this, For you are God's masterpiece, created. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do good things he planned for us long ago. You are God's masterpiece. In all your brokenness, you are God's masterpiece. 
in all of your insecurities, you are God's masterpiece. In all of your faults, you are God's masterpiece. There's that phrase in there which says, he has created us anew. I didn't want to be outdone by Isaac, so I have a word for us to repeat. It's a Greek word. <laughs> Katizo. Can you say that with me? Katizo. All right, good. Not really. You didn't do very well. You much didn't. Yeah, yours is Get this, though. I love this word. The word means God's creative activity. Isn't that good? So when it says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus, in context, it means God's creative activity in making of spiritual men and women in Christ. God's creative activity is happening in you. I love that word picture. I love that thought that is there. We are broken people that God loves and heals and makes us so that we can be used through Christ. But here's the problem. As I think that we struggle to stand before God in that reality, that as we stand before him, as you are here today, you are here with all of your insecurities, you're here with all of your brokenness, you're here with all of your faults, and you're here not before me, but before God. That's truly who you are. But I think sometimes we can get confused and we want to airbrush us into perfection as we stand before God. We want to take away all the wrinkles, all the warts, all the gray hairs. We want to present to God like you, you come to church and you put on the makeup and you put on the clothes and your kids are perfect. Right, grads? Yes. yes. Shake your head, please. Your parents are watching. Yes, I'm perfect. Good. That's who you are before God, but, but we struggle to stand before him. And, and when we can stand before him, not airbrushed, but on our identity, yes, we are a child of God, and yes, we are loved, and yes, we're forgiven, and yes, we're adopted, and that's who we are, and he looks at us through Jesus Christ, but at the same time, I still have my struggles. I still have my faults. I still have my issues. But as we come even together and we walk in together and I ask the question, hey, Isaac, how are you? And you say, oh, I'm good. Yeah. But he's not good. Well, I'm, you're good today. Yeah, I'm good today. Today's a good day. I have bad days, though, and I say I'm good. But the truth is, is that some of us are here today, our marriages aren't good, our jobs are not going well, we're struggling with anxiety, depression, our finances are a mess, our kids are doing drugs. here. And I recognize 
that when I can stand before God in that and say, here I am. And he says, you're my masterpiece. I'm still going to use you. If I can understand my identity, that yes, I'm still forgiven, and yes, I am loved, and yes, I am adopted, and yes, I am his child. But in all of that, I still am struggling. That God says, I can use that. When you look at what Isaac read at the end of that time, and for Jeremiah, God comes and he, and he, and he touches him, and he, and, he, and he does something to him. When you look at Isaiah, when he's before God and he sees the holiness of God, and in that, uh, he says to God, Whoa, am I? I'm a man of unclean lips among, a man, among people of unclean lips. He recognizes, and he stands there, and he's naked before God, and God sees all of his wrinkles. He sees all of everything that is going on in his life, and he's true to God. God says, Who will go? And who can I send? And Isaiah says, I am here. Use me. So our calling, if we want to say, what is our calling? We first need to be able to stand in front of him with our identity, with everything we are, in the truest we are, and say, here I am, God. There's so much here that I would love to dive in deeper, and I, I, I'm not able to. Um, and we'll look at it another time. But just that little fraction, just that little bit, which is this. Knowing our calling starts by understanding our identity. Both on the side that I am a child of God, but I am not perfect. And when I can stand there in honesty with that, I am his masterpiece to be used for his good purposes. Isaac, finish us off with that last little part. Okay, last little point. The last point has to do with the last half of this verse. I totally lost my bookmark, but I, I got this. Okay, so the last half of the verse goes like this. Uh, oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I am too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Now, Jeremiah is struggling with something here that I think a lot of us as youth struggle with. And it's the fact that we are young. Jeremiah is only 17. He is young. Us as grads, we're only just graduating high school. We are all young. It's just, that's the fact. We're all young. Um, and it's due to the fact that I am young that it often leaves me thinking thoughts like this. Oh, I really want to go and spread the gospel and tell people about Jesus and his unfailing, undying, never-ending love for humanity. But then I stop and I hesitate and I'm fearful because I think, oh, really want to do this. But first, I have to go to Bible school. Once I go to Bible school, then I will finally have the wisdom and the experience to go out and properly tell people about God's love. 
Or I think to myself, oh, I want to help people. I want to serve. But then I think, oh, Isaac, you've never been on a mission trip. First, you have to go on a mission trip. Once you've done that, then you fully will know how to help people, and then you will have the experience and the knowledge, and then you can go out and fulfill God's purpose and his calling for your life. But the problem with this thinking, this ideology, is that it's a, it's a me-centered ideology. It's a, I have to go to Bible school. I have to go earn that experience. I have to go on missions trips. I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. And if, but if I've learned anything from this book, it's that I'm not the main character of the story. I'm not the one doing the heavy lifting here. It was never me. It's always God. God doesn't go up to Jeremiah and he says, Jeremiah, I want you to be a prophet to your own nation. Go wherever you want to go. Say whatever you want to say because you got this, man. (laughs) No, God goes up to Jeremiah and he says, I want you to be a prophet to my nation. I want you to go where I send you. Say what I tell you. And don't be afraid because I will be with you. Guys, we got to get out of this ideology out of this headspace of, oh, first I have to pull up my bootstraps and I got to earn this experience. I got to earn that wisdom. I got to go earn this. I got to grow up first. Because <laughs> it's not about you. I don't earn the experience. I don't earn the wisdom. Everything I have, I have credited to God. He is the one that gives me experience. He is the one that gives me wisdom. He is the one that gives me power. And something that I have found great encouragement in when, like, thinking about this verse, thinking about uh, going out into the world, is that if God calls you to go do something, he will not forsake you. If God calls you, he's not going to leave you in the dust to fend for yourself. God didn't go to Jeremiah and say, I'm gonna, you're going to be a prophet to my nations, but make up your own prophecies. I'm not going to give you anything. I'm not going to be with you. No, he says, you're going to be a prophet to my nations, and I will empower you to go do this. So, youth, if we're called to go do something, our God will not abandon us. Our God will not forsake us. He will be with us. He dwells in our heart, everyone who believes. So don't be afraid. Go wherever he sends you. Say whatever he tells you. We are not too young to have a relationship with our God. <laughs> Thank you, Isaac. I think this is a, a great passage to be able to explore both in the young and the old. Because in our lives, God has made every single one of us. We are his masterpiece. There is a purpose for each of our lives. And we have a calling that God has. And we can step into our identity in the fullness of both our successes and our failures that God is wanting to use us where we are at today. And we would not be afraid that we will go wherever he wants, we will do whatever he says, and we will say whatever he wants us to say. Because he's empowering us. It's not us, but it is him. That is the beauty of who he is in our lives. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. This day in which, uh, as a church, we can celebrate 
the graduates from this church. Lord, what it would mean moving forward as a church to recognize that we are a body of believers who are seeking to follow you, both young and old, for your purpose and your plan to say what you want us to say, to go where you want us to go. Lord, that we would leave these doors not afraid, but we would leave these doors in the victory of Jesus, empowered by him, created by him, for him, that you are doing a work in us. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.